please check out this episode on Rumble. Welcome to After Hours with Dr. Sigaloff, where he can share ideas and thoughts with you. He gets to the heart of the issue so that you can find the truth. The views and opinions expressed are his and do not represent the U.S. Army, DOD, nor the U.S. government. Dr. Sigaloff was either off-duty or on approved leave, and Dr. Sigaloff was not in uniform at the time of recording. Now, to Dr. Sigaloff. All right, so today we have a very special guest with us. We have Seth Ritter. You may have heard of Captain Seth Ritter before. He's been involved in some controversy. Uh, he's been a very helpful uh, friend uh, and a fight for this this uh, the cause, and the cause is to ensure that the government follows the government's rules. Um, but unfortunately, our friend Seth has found himself in a place where the government continues to not follow the rules. Now, go ahead and give us a quick little... Um, like a background history, because uh, this this didn't start just recently, right? This you had told me that this starts back in 2012. Yeah, so 2012 uh, when I was uh, serving in the Marine Corps at the time, because um, I served in the Marine Corps as an enlisted uh, infantryman before I switched to the Army and became an infantry officer. Right. Uh, so woke up one morning and felt like like a little truck hit me getting ready for church and my eyes crossed i couldn't speak my speech was like messed up i couldn't like get a sentence out my wife couldn't understand what i was saying i was dropping stuff out of like my left hand i couldn't like hold things in a, in a, in a hand and i needed help walking right um lo and behold like didn't get better we just thought it was like a really bad migraine or something like that so i like tried to lay down and sleep it off um didn't really get better throughout the day uh and then my wife noticed my face was drooping on one side uh, in the afternoon. And we had, you know, by the, like the grace of God, seen a billboard about a stroke because, you know, no one thinks that a healthy 22, 23 year old is going to uh, be having a stroke. Uh, and, right. Yeah. And it's a terrifying thought. Absolutely. It's, it's, yeah, it's like, what, like, this doesn't happen to, to young, 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 fit individuals, right? Because at the time, like, I was eat, we were, we were eating like pretty much strictly paleo. Um, and then we were also like, I was exercising twice a day in preparation for a Marine Corps officer candidacy to school. Right. Cause I, you were Marine infantry. So you were, you were yes the tip of the spirit, so to speak in health. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I was, it was, I was really in extremely good shape, extremely good shape. Um, I wasn't taking like any sort of like medications. I wasn't taking any like, uh, what's it called? Uh, supplements, you know, supplements, like, right. just do it, trying to do everything like all natural the paleo. Right. Um, she noticed that the face was drooping. We saw the billboard that said, uh, hey, like, these are the signs of a stroke. Uh, and she's like, maybe maybe that's what happened to you. And so she they took us, they, she took me to the hospital and they did like a uh, CT scan. We're like, yeah, something's definitely there, but you know, the resolution is not good enough. So they referred me to a neurologist and then we went through the whole rig and roll with the diagnostics to determine, hey, is this actually a... Like, is this a stroke? All right. So multiple MRIs, I did a spinal tap to rule out um, uh, mul multiple sclerosis, right? Is this a stroke, right? They, so they, they thought that it was a stroke originally. And we did a spinal tap to rule out multiple sclerosis um, and just kind of went through there and then did some, did some like at home, like physical and speech therapy because I had to walk for with a cane for a little bit. Uh, my speech was messed up. And then I also had like significant memory, like short and long-term memory issues. Uh, and then after that, man, I, uh, what is it? Yeah. I just, you know, it's, it's somewhat resolved in the background. You can hear his, in the background, uh, you can hear his kids. It's finally, I think it's great because he, he is a father and that's, uh, you know, this is what being a father is. It's yeah, great. Yeah. And it's as, as long as no one's getting hurt. Then Sorry about that. Gotta do just, it. If you're hearing that noise, that's what that is. Sorry about that guys. Yeah. No, no, it's fine. I, I love it. But yeah, it's, and, those are great sounds of being a father. <laughs> Absolutely. And so like, I actually have pictures, right? So like, this is the, yeah, one yeah, of the show us, original please. scans, right? From, uh, if you can, from 2012. Yeah, yeah. If you could just move it over just yeah, there right go. there. Right. And you see that bright white spot. If you're, if you're watching, there is a huge bright spot and it's, it's kind of deep down in, in the center of his brain, so to speak. And it looks like there even might be a spot up, um, up at the top above that, but it's hard to tell with this imaging, but that is not normal. That should not be there. And what's interesting is that they kept you in, in the Marines then with this giant spot and all the dysfunction you had then you must've resolved that fairly quickly. I would imagine. 
Yeah. So, I mean, just prior to this happening, I was the uh, NCO of the year for uh, my unit. And so like I was a very extremely high performer, uh, like a, a, I don't want to just like sound cocky and say like, oh, I'm an integral part of the unit, but I was like a, a really valued member of the team, okay. right? You were. Um, and, yeah. and through, they, they, they basically, they gave me a chance and gave me the benefit of the doubt. Plus it was, it was so weird that, you know, they had, no one had ever really dealt with like a young person having a stroke, you know, that's not like the medical part. People aren't like, oh, stroke. Yeah. For a thousand percent in the regulation, you can't serve because of this, that or another. Um, and, and it, it resolved itself, you know, to where I was still able to like serve because at that time I was, uh, in a reserve unit, like an infantry reserve unit serving on a month to month, uh, uh, no, not a month to month basis, but yeah, I was, I was serving in a, in a reserve unit. And so it's not like it was every single day I was missing work every single day I was having to like get accommodations. So it was really just like once a month, I was still able to like perform some functions. And so they found a spot for me to, to work. They also found me like, you know, a, a, after I got better, um, you know, I was still in charge of like, still in charge of Marines. It was, uh, you know, it was all right. It, and the military is pretty good at, let's say you have something like this. You're a higher performer, a good, good, uh, I guess, Marine at this point, and, and you want to stay in. Oh, you know, they're good at, at said, okay, well, let's, let's, let's give you the benefit like they did. Yeah, no, absolutely. I guess it's like, you see it all the time uh, where, you know, oh, he's a, he's a good dude. So we're going to make some sort of accommodation. Yeah, um, and, and, but in the past, at some point, if you would have like, been a good he, dude, you know, yeah. if you had been a good dude in the past, they would have been like, okay, well, you're still a good dude, but let's say you want to get out there. Like, okay, well, let's, let's help you since you are so good and we like you and as a person and as a leader, let's help you get out if you want to get out. That's at least, that's what I've always done. I could be naive yeah, to absolutely. think that people would want to help the the service member, but that's the way I've always worked it too. Like, you know, if I can make a decision one way or the other, let's certainly take into account what the service member wants. No, absolutely. That, that, that like, there was a crossroads. It was, hey, like, do you want to, you want to like, just kind of get out? Do you want to stay in? Um, and you know, like I said, they really didn't really understand because it's something that doesn't happen to that, that population very much. Uh, they, they gave me the benefit of the doubt. Let me, uh, let me get better, especially like, and that was, you know, just because based on like, you know, past history of performance. So. And that's what's really interesting about, um, EMS is it takes so long and so many physicians typically to, to diagnose it because it's it's not an easy diagnosis. It takes years. You have to have multiple different MRI images. Like we just saw one MRI. That was definitely an MRI. And and we have to see what it looks like then. And then we compare it to the future. And then, okay, so, and then let's kind of skip forward a bit to about a year ago. You started having some more symptoms. Is that right? Yeah. So we, my wife started noticing uh, like delayed speech. I'd uh, get in the middle of a sentence. I have good days and I have bad days. Um, but a delayed speech, I'd get like halfway through a sentence and I would get hung up on a word and I would just stop. And I would, sometimes I would just completely forget what I was, I was talking about. Right. Uh, or it was like auditory issues where I can, I can hear the noise coming out of someone's mouth, but I, I can't understand the words. Right. And so like it, especially if there's like multiple noises going on, uh, especially if there's like a, some sort of steady state noise in the background, I just can't discern what the noise is or what the, what the words are like, they just don't form in, in, in my, my brain. Um, and so went through the diagnostic portions through that with, uh, like, uh, audiologists off posts and turns out I have central auditory processing, processing disorder, um, with the symptoms being exactly what I just described. Uh, so that, and then like headaches, like onset, you know, beginning at the beginning of the day and then towards the afternoon progressing to the point where sometimes like it's difficult for me to even read. Uh, it's difficult for me to, to do much any functions. Um, and then like uh, the only way to really alleviate that is if I like go to sleep, you know? And so, cause I try, I try not to take as much, you know, I try as much as possible not to take medication cause I don't really want to be hold, beholden to a company that is trying to kill me. Um, <laughs> Right. And so, right. yeah, or, you know, I just don't want those chemicals in my body. <laughs> or right? anyone else or, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, um, but yeah, that's where, 
that started happening. And, and about five months ago, I had another MRI done because uh, they wanted to check up that, like my records didn't transfer from the army or from the Marine Corps to the army. Uh, and I was trying to get all of this updated. Conveniently. Just in case I was, yeah. Right. Just in case I was going to get separated from the, um, from the, from the army and lo and behold, they found another spot and I have a picture of that one. So if this is from five months ago, yeah. completely different, like level or slice of the brain. Uh, and this is another, uh, spot that has formed on my brain that exists in time. In the space. previous spot, there's some scarring you had said, but, yeah. but there, it's not yeah, the previous as bright spot, as it like, was. Yeah. It's not as bright. It's not as, as large, but there is like issue areas that are still like residual scarring that like does affect that portion of the brain. Right. So right. I don't know if you can see it right here. Yeah. Yeah. If you just, yep. And so it, it might be tough to make out, but there's a little, there's a bright white spot right where he had put his finger and that should not be there. Right. So, um, that white spot is not normal in that particular location. And so w with the symptoms that you said, and with this change in MRI over years, I mean, you could make the case that it's MS. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that, that's how you did see diagnosed. a neurologist. Yes. Yeah. yeah I, and you I, saw a neurologist and what did they say? Yeah, that's what the determination was made. Um, and that's a, that's a tough thing to be told, right? Because there's not a lot of, not really coming there's, there's not a lot of hope for folks that get ms right you can there's direct drugs to right. treat some of the symptoms and whatnot but there, there's nothing that's gonna really at this point get rid of it um you know at least right. with like modern medicine so right. it was uh it was and tough it's a life-changing di chronic diagnosis yeah absolutely it's like hey like this is this is your life from now on um and that could be you could get 20 years out of your life you could get 10 years out of your life it does you know i don't know uh and no one else knows right um, you know, I, it might pop up and I might have something that debilitates me to where I have to like be in a wheelchair. Right. And so then I'm not going to be able to provide for like my family. Like what's the, what's my like legitimate quality of life going to be like outside the army? Like, with, you know, how long am I going to be able to support the family? How long am I going to be able to work? How long am I going right. to be able to like function? You know? Right. And that's, that's one of the reasons why we let people that have these particular diseases, um, have this process available through AR 40-501, uh, chapter three, section 31. It specifically says for these neurologic issues, you will, this is cause for, or the, the physician will place a medical board. Now the medical board does not mean you're getting kicked out. The medical board doesn't mean you're staying in. The medical board means you start this, this legal and medical process. And this medical and legal process is where you go through these multiple steps. And it's, it's a prescribed process, meaning like everybody does this, everybody does that, everybody does the next step. You get evaluated by multiple physicians to find out, is it in the best interest of, because they're the army, they're the employer, is it in the best interest of the army for you to stay in? And then we also look at the side, is it in the best interest of the soldier for them to stay in? Because often, like... You know, I mean, you have to talk about the reality of this. What if you've got 10 good years left? You want to waste those 10 good years stuck in the military, which five of those you could potentially be deployed. And and are you going to be able to work while you're, I mean, this is kind of the, the ugly side that I don't like to think about um, because I look at med boards as something beneficial to the soldier. Um, and that's that could be my naivety, but most soldiers that I've ever sent to a, a med board, it was beneficial for them to to exit the military and that was a good avenue in which to do it you know if you if you broke it you bought it that old saying and the army is very good at breaking things that's yeah. in fact that's what the military's job is to do is to break things and kill people and they're yeah. very good at breaking people even the ones that they don't mean to break just yeah, because yeah. of the chemicals yeah. and just the lifestyle and just everything and so, in us, yeah. so if someone's reading if someone's reading the the policy as it's written, it's very easy to say, yeah, okay. If, if I was your doc, I'd say, okay, well, we need a med board. Even if you refused, I would say, well, I'm sorry. I, I don't have that ability to allow you to refuse. I am obligated to put you in the med board and, and I'm sorry. I wish, you know, if you wanted to stay in, I would tell you, I'm sorry. I, I wish I could keep you in, but perhaps you could stay in. Let's let these doctors figure this out to find out if it's best for you or the army. And a lot of times soldiers don't see that, you know, the next 10 years. Whereas you have a family, you, it's easy to see that. Um, but again, it's not my decision as the doctor. It is written into regulation, army regulation as to what happens next. And so for me to not put in that 
consult to do anything but to put in that consult to go to start the medical board process would be going against standard army regulation now before we go into yeah. what is actually happening with you i think it's important for some of the listeners to know there could be some influencing factors as to why and and this may be unrelated it could be completely unrelated it, it certainly could because i don't like to assume um maleficence right i don't want to assume that people are doing things on purpose but we always have to contemplate that as well. Uh, but you've been involved, and I'm sure some people have heard your name, and for those that haven't heard your name mentioned before, give us an idea of what happened, was it like two months ago? Yeah, yeah, it was at the very beginning of April. Yeah, um, yeah. So kind of give us a rundown of, and again, I know you can't speak about specific names, and, and it's probably best not to. Hmm. Yeah, and, you know, long and short of it is, uh, I discovered a... Um, trying to think of it choose the words carefully so i don't get in any trouble here yeah yeah, yeah, what, yeah. what would constitute you alleged a military crimes crime? yeah alleged yeah, alleged, alleged military wanted, crimes right uh yeah, and wanted to as someone officer, of alleged crimes exactly and as an officer like through the manual court martial there's a process to do that right uh and also through and the manual this court person martial, you, oh, go ahead. this person you're accusing of crimes is a higher rank than you that's correct yes this person uh would significantly be a, yes would be a general officer um there's a process in which to, to, to go through. You can go through like the IG. I've already been through the IG on multiple uh, allegations with this individual uh, with no avail. In fact, from uh, friends that, that work somewhat close to the individual that's assigned to investigate in the Department of I Army IG, uh, they assigned it to the individual who's very, uh, what's the word, friendly to uh, this particular person that it should be getting investigated. Uh, and with the instructions like, hey, just let it die on your desk, right? So, um, yeah. and that, that's unfortunate. Which is there's pretty a, commonplace for the Army. Yeah, there's, there's been a ton of complaints military. Um, from all sorts of people who are different ranks. Like, my, I'm a captain, right? There's been people who are enlisted that have filled it out. There's been people who are higher-ranking officers than I am that have filled out multiple complaints against, like, legitimate complaints. Like, the first one I filled out was over 100 pages, right? you know, with the complaint and the actual evidence, like the, the forensic evidence, right? Because I'm not just going to like complain to an organization about something. Uh, I'm going to, especially as an officer, I'm going to do my due diligence and research it out and then ensure that I'm bringing like, you know, suggestions, recommendations to like the higher authority, right? Um, so, you know, I, I, from being a, a prior company commander, I understood what my avenues were uh, to, to report this uh, alleged crime that I, I believe that I witnessed, right? And uh, I did that. I created up the narrative on like, hey, at this point, this is what I, I saw. This is what I discovered. This so-and-so and so forth. See exhibit this, right? And I attached all the exhibits. And I also attached all of the regulations that supported everything that I was saying, right? So but from, through both like manual court martial, TRADOC regulations, and uh, and some other stuff. And you know, like, so it's, it's like a one-stop shop. Like I did the entire investigation for you, right? I just want you, I just need you to do the right thing and, and act on it, right? Which is what you're supposed to do. Because if any of anyone else was to do this, if like a E7 or a E6, right? And in, in, in a position here in TRADOC was to do similar things or myself, right? Would definitely, feet would be held to the fire, right? Um, I would be bad. It'd yeah, be really it'd bad be for you. Extremely bad. You'd be relieved from command. You'd be relieved from your position <laughs> pending an investigation. Because I've done a fraction of that. Yeah. Yeah, I've done a fraction yeah. of that. In fact, I've followed the law as written and I've had an investigation. Mm -hmm. I've been suspended. I'm having a relief for cause. I've have, I have a gag order yeah. uh, that I can't talk about yeah. certain things during the day, which is unlawful because it has nothing to do with military service. And so, yeah. so this is what happens when you do the right thing. Or as you, yeah. you see, when you're showing when people do the wrong thing, what happens? It's almost yeah, as if yeah, we're calling... Exactly evil good and good evil yeah it's it's there's a significant amount of uh good old boy protectionism uh within the military that's just rampant and and you know they're going individuals uh of i would argue low moral, moral character are uh going to do the thing that protects them or protects like the other individual that they want to protect rather than follow the rules and the regulations and the law and that's unfortunate that's not that's not how that's not the military that I joined 15 years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like we were, we were working towards a common goal. We were working towards like a shared, like in state for the mission. Like there was camaraderie. And then now it's like witnessing a lot of this stuff. It's, it's insane. If you would have told me 15 years ago, that this is how, you know, 
the military would have turned out and this is how the career that I had would have turned out, I would have said, you're, you're absolutely insane. So, yeah. Right, and one thing but, I want to, yeah. one thing I want to mention is, and, and I want to make it clear that this is outside of the, the military as written, right? So like the written regulation, how things are supposed to happen, everything you're experiencing is outside of that, almost as if, um, because it's, it's probably not a conspiracy, but it's just, like you said, good old boy saying, hey, yeah, well, you're my buddy, I'm going to help you out. Yeah. But this isn't yeah. going against regulation. So you are actually not, a, you're morally correct, but also legally correct. That's correct. Yep. Um, yeah, absolutely. And then what other individuals are doing, it's, it's, so, you know, in the, in the military, there's the, there's the law and then there's what is done. And, uh, that's, that's not how we're supposed to operate, right? That's not how we're supposed to operate as officers. Like if you see a crime, if, especially in the main court martial, I don't like, it's not really well known. If you see something that constitutes a serious offense, right? And a serious offense is like, you know, hey, is it tribal by court martial? Is it something that is like Don't would level. land someone a year or more in prison, right? If they were for their maximum punishment for uh, for that UCMJ offense, and <laughs> if that happens, right, you have a duty responsibility. You're supposed, you have to report it. You have to report it to the authority, or you have to investigate it yourself. And I just did what it's actually I was a crime to, to not report it. Exactly, Wait, you, it's a crime you, to not report would, it, yeah, or yep. to prevent it from being reported. Exactly. Because I'm having the same uh, issue here. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, I'm, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm doing like what the regs and the law and, and what anyone else would want me to do. Right. And I would. Okay. So, boy, so you wrote up this huge. Yeah. So, so you wrote up this huge um, investigation or at least packet and gathered information on your own. You go to CID um, and, and you want to report this as a, you know, you allege there's been a crime committed. And so you're sit, you go in there, they bring you into a room and then kind of go from there. Yeah. Bring me into a room. Originally we kind of go through like very quick synopsis of it. Uh, and the investigator says, Hey, like this doesn't really seem like that's something in our purview because CID usually just like investigates like drug stuff or like, you know, sexual stuff like, you know, and, and th this was, this didn't meet the, those criteria. Right. Uh, so this wasn't their normal lane. Uh, however, it was a crime. And after speaking with like multiple lawyers, like, yes, this is a purview of CID, right? So he's like, hey, I don't think this is really something we investigate, but I'm going to go take it to my boss and some of my colleagues and we'll look it through and, and see uh, see if this is something we, we investigate. So 45 minutes, about 45 minutes go by. He uh, comes back. He's like, hey, like, I just need to get some of your information, like your, your information for coming in and filling out a complaint down um oh by the way we are like uh we're taking it very seriously and we're we're looking into it i'm like okay awesome thanks uh so i give him my information he leaves about another 30 minutes or so pass and then uh he comes back in he gives me the my complaint back and he says hey i'm sorry this isn't really something that we uh that we look into this is not really in our our lane or our purview we i brought it up to my boss he brought it up to his boss and you know that's not really something that we're we're gonna investigate at this time and I'm like, okay, uh, where do I, where would I go for that? And he's like, oh, you know, I don't know. Uh, you could maybe go to the IG. You could maybe go to, I was like, cause what, what like military law enforcement authority is going to investigate this. Right. Um, and what, yeah. What recourse do you have at this yeah. point? Because yeah, there is none. Yeah, cause I, you already did IG Yep. and you can't go to your commander and you can't yep. go above his head or his head or his head. Yep. There's so, CID. That's yeah. all that's left. Exactly. Um, so, you know, I, was, I asked that question. He, he didn't really know. Um, uh, and then he's like, oh, hey, by the way, uh, there is a member from your chain of command here to escort you back. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? Cause I, I went there by myself, right. To make this complaint. Right. This isn't like, like the 1800s own... where you just need someone to escort yeah. you back to your room. Right? <laughs> exactly. Um, and I'm really confused as to why, right. Cause it had been very cordial, like nothing like wrong had occurred, right? I didn't like go in there and like, I want you to do this right now. You know, like just absolutely out of my mind uh, or acting erratically. Um, although it was described to me multiple times throughout the day that, hey, like what you did an officer wouldn't do. Like they, they described that, like just me making that complaint. And by they, I mean members of the chain of command. By me making that complaint, like that's, it's somehow not something an officer would do. And that is a rack behavior. Right. And so <clears throat> the long, they took me from the, uh, CID, uh, station over back to the, the brigade headquarters where I talked to the, uh, deputy commanding officer at the time. 
And uh, he specifically said, and I'm really glad that I got all of this stuff recorded. He specifically said, um, yeah, hey, you know, do you know how you can make these complaints? I described some of the process to him and he's like, well, hey, why didn't you go to IG? And then like didn't give me a, a really opportunity to answer. And then immediately followed up with, well, hey, because of the uh, because of the, the way, you know, the, the stuff, the, the, the goings on this morning, in other words, by me making that criminal complaint, um, they were just wanted to get me checked out. Just wanted to make sure that I was okay. Well, right. And just for the listeners, you don't go to IG for crimes. That's correct. You go to IG for procedural errors. Let's say you don't have due process. That's when you go to IG. Mm-hmm. You go to CID, which is equivalent to the civilian FBI. You go to the FBI or CID when you are alleging crimes, yeah, serious crimes, like felony level crimes, things that would cause the FBI to investigate you. Right. And so, you know, they, they, he specifically cited, uh, the, he being the deputy uh, commanding officer for my brigade stated, Hey, like, because you, uh, you turned in this criminal complaint, right. The, because of the goings on, we want to make sure that you're okay. Right. And, and, I like began to protest, uh, like, Hey, you know what you're going to do next? He said, you're going to go to, uh, get a, just a behavioral health evaluation just to make sure that you're okay. We just want to make sure you're okay. Right. Because anytime that you like speak up and start telling the truth, anytime that you maybe go against the grain a little bit, well, to individuals who've like been so institutionalized that they want to operate in this like protectionism against like regulations and common sense to them, what you're doing is insane. To them, what you're doing is like mentally unstable, right? Because by you telling the truth, by you doing the right thing, by you standing up for yourself, I mean, just just look at a lot of like the vaccine refusers, right? They're being forced to go to mental health. Like a lot of them are being forced to go to like mental health uh, evaluations because, well, anyone who would refuse to do something, well, that just makes you insane. Must be crazy. You must be crazy. Well, right? and and to further that point, I've recently had a doctor say to me that because of my rigid beliefs about the COVID shot and how they go against the CDC and the FDA, I should have a psych evaluation to see if I'm fit to continue practicing medicine. Yeah. I've just been telling the truth. Yeah. Same, it. same thing. Yeah. I, I, I'm reading their documents, right? And by there, I mean the FDA, the CDC, uh, the NIH, right. right? All that. I'm reading, literally just reading their documents and what is U.S. law, right? Doing right. literally what you're supposed there, to do. There is one little thing that we have not mentioned that I just think is so um, like heroic, maybe not the right word that you would use, but I would certainly use it. Um, you were in, um, you were in a meeting. I don't know if you want to stop me if you want yeah, to yeah, not talk about, about this. Yeah, yeah. I, so I mean, I can, I can talk about just kind of yeah. a, a quick aside, but you were in this big meeting, like <clears throat> like a, an auditorium filled with people, and it was a it was it was a gomar for everybody. It was like, hey, everybody, you're in the room. You're getting counseled for your gomar for not taking the vaccine. Yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't like an actual like adverse administrative proceeding, which is what they tried to claim it was after the fact uh, to to say that I violated like multiple use, articles UCMJ. Um, it was literally just a counseling session, right? And a counseling session is not an adverse administrative proceeding. And so basically, it was like a mass counseling session for all the people who were refusals, like vaccine refusals on uh, Fort Benning. And I had been notified like the night before by a friend who had to go and uh, they were, they said, Hey, like, did you know about this? Like, do you know, like this is going on? And I'm like, Hey, no, absolutely not. Um, and this is probably time, why like, they, they didn't invite you because of what yeah, right? they yeah. knew you would be capable of. Yeah. Which is asking a question and knowing the truth. Right. Yeah. Cause I, I had known mm-hmm. at that time because I've you know got friends all across Fort Benning, um, you know, some of the individuals that I spoke with through who worked at like military treatment facilities or the hospital, like they, Hey, we don't have like the FDA approved vaccine or the BLA licensed vaccine available. We don't have anything. Everything we has have is labeled emergency use authorization only, right? Everything, nothing even meets the remote criteria of like labeling or the, the, the codes to being like BLA compliant. Right. And so I knew at that time, and none of those things had been produced None of those things have been produced to this date right now when we speak. Yeah. Still not available. Not available. You can't go down to the military treatment facility on your base right now and ask for the FDA approved shot. Well, FDA approved. The the, the license shot. Yeah, the community. Right. Doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. So 
I had asked, like, I, I wanted to just go ask because, you know, and see if these people were getting, if they were telling them the truth and the right and affording them the right opportunities that they, they are to ha- supposed to have under the law, right? And lo and behold, it was just your generic counseling. An officer got up there, read off the counseling in a dead, like deadpan tone. And, uh, and then afterwards they were, they were like trying to figure out what they were going to do next. Uh, and I stood up and, and raised my hand and asked a question. And I said, Hey, like, do you, you know, I think that these people have like rights. Uh, I think that they like should be heard. Uh, do you, you know, is the, is the FDA approved vaccine on this post at this time? And uh, the individuals are very uncomfortable with that question. He said, you know, yes. And then uh, I knew that that was, that was a lie. Right. Uh, and so I followed up with, well, hey, like, are you sure that it's not covered under emergency use authorization? And that's when he had motioned for another, like one of the ushers, like this one of the NCOs that was present for the um, the briefing to, to go to me. And then he, he was like, hey, if you, sir, if you want to talk more, we can talk outside uh, and I can answer all your questions. All right, cool. Uh, and then they escorted me out. As they escorted me out, um, they, I like, the there was you know because i had asked questions and said like hey you guys have rights right and you did that you're doing the right thing by exercising your rights right um they were clapping right rights so which are not was, granted by government yeah that's they're granted right. by god that's right. yeah. those same rights um, yeah exactly those you know just little things um <laughs> that yeah. we just love to trample all over but i I'd said I, I started citing the the law the u.s law that in which it was codified you know, 1107, 1107 Alpha, you've got a right to uh, refuse a, uh, a drug that is under emergency use authorization. Went outside, uh, individual asked me a number of questions uh, and then like told me to leave. Total time where that like that happened was about like two and a half minutes, right? Um, come to find out later and I left. Like he asked me to leave. They threatened to call the MPs on me and I left. And then like two or three days later, I was uh, called to the MP station to help my command out to to uh, to help answer questions for some a criminal matter that had occurred, and I had no idea what it was about. Right, so I'm like, for sure, I'm, I'm a anyway can help out. I'll help out. I show up and I get arrested at the MP station, uh, and be, like they wouldn't tell me what for for hours. I, when I asked for a lawyer, they wouldn't do it, like, let me talk to a lawyer for hours. They started to try to like do the questioning and then like wrote down just articles of UCMJ that they I was suspected of violating one of those, like, uh, so this is intimidation. This is yeah. all intimidation. Yeah. And, and I was like, well, Hey, what is this about? And he's like, well, be, you know, because you like refuse to give a statement, we can't, uh, we can't tell you, you know, we can't talk about this anymore. Uh, and we're just gonna, I just need you to do like some out processing stuff and then we'll, you'll be on your way. Well, the out processing stuff was like, get full fingerprints, get a DNA swab, get uh, like the mug shot photos. Right. Um, wow. yeah. And the whole time I was like, Hey, because I, of I what know. you said before for asking two questions, right? yeah, for asking two questions and yeah. telling people what their rights were under the law wow. I was arrested again. Almost. Um, I, I hold you in very high respect because of that. Like I, that, that is, that is truly amazing. Yeah. Okay. So now that's the background yeah. that sets the stage for you're now been sitting in CID's office for about an hour and a half or yep. so. And then they escort you to command and then a command gets you escorted to some sort of medical area. Yeah. to like a behavioral health, uh, uh, building where they do like behavioral health intake appointments. Um, and I did that. It was a very, very, very negative interaction. I really don't want to go through with that individual because it's, it's, troubling to like bring it up right yeah, um, yeah. no let's not talk about anything that's gonna and i think i think criminal problems. cwo like someone had yeah he's given covered that it. information to him and he covered it right um and then they tried to and please check out terminal cwo to get that information sorry yeah thank you for whoever gave that to him i appreciate that um because yeah, that, yeah. that made a huge difference right the, the at no point in any of this has anyone <laughs> tried to follow the law it's only been like negative public perception that has moved the goal like moved the the chains along at all Right. And that's it, unfortunate that, you know, because there's other, been other people where this stuff kind of stuff's been weaponized against them as well. And like, you know, this isn't right. You know, it, it just on any on any level, it's not right for for like the the resources on a base or for your command to weaponize things against you for you telling the truth, for you standing up for rights, for you standing up for soldiers. Like that's not how that's not how the military works. It's not how it's supposed to work. Right. Um, but was escorted to the um, ER. Had to do a drug test because, of course, if I was to 
make a criminal complaint. I must be on drugs, right? Um, and then they started to try to intake me into the behavioral health ward or the floor, uh, at which time I was. This is an like, inpatient. Knew, this is an inpatient yeah. psych ward that that you yeah. get admitted involuntarily to this place. And I, I did my residency at Fort Benning, and I was there when we transitioned from the old hospital to the new hospital. And my experience was in the old hospital, but I've seen people like in there and they're seeing things, they're hearing things. They, they have to like run up behind them because they're hurting other patients and, and jam them in the shoulder with what they call a B-52 cocktail. And it's uh, Benadryl, um, uh, what okay. is it? It's Benadryl. There's a bunch. It's, yeah, yeah. you've got your list there. Yeah, because that's and, exactly what he's talking about. That's on the a list of like things that it says, give if the patient refuses, right? Haloperidol. Haloperidol. Yeah, yep. there we go. That is a psychotropic drug that can permanently change the brain and its function. Yep. Yeah. Which, uh, that, and there's a benzoid. Yep. Exactly. All of that. And lorazepam, uh, something, oh boy, a very large, starts with a D, but yeah, there's about seven. That's okay. Yeah. There's like seven, there's yeah. nine different uh, medications. I'm looking at the list right now. There's nine different medications on this list that is canceled, right? It was, it was prescribed to me that day. Um, Seven of those nine are in like with special instructions that say offer it first or or give if patient uh, or administer or give if patient refuses. Right. So like I knew grab him, hold him down, jam a needle yeah. into his shoulder or his yeah. arm or something. I knew that. And I've seen that done before. Yeah. I and knew, there's times where yeah, it's appropriate. Absolutely. I knew that my ability to make my own personal medical decisions would be completely removed from me if I went up on that that floor. Right. I didn't know at the time that they had all this like chemical cocktails that they had prepared uh, in my on a, on a, like to prescribe me to to inject upon, inject me with if I got up there and said no, right? I can believe be of completely sound mind, but if I say go up there and I refuse medicine or treatment, well, I'm sorry, you're getting it anyway, right? And, well, if they and, make the claim that you're acting wild in the ER, they could have done it there as well. Yeah, in which I wasn't. I was of, of sound body and mind, talking to you just like this right now, and just asking questions and quoting regulations. And that by asking questions about like the process, hey, do you have the uh, the intake sheet for me? Do you have the command directed behavioral health sheet? Do you have the all the paperwork that's supposed to be there? Uh, like, hey, where's the you know where's the um, oh what is it the administration sheet? They're like, hey, you're getting in, uh, admitted. There we go. Like, hey, who's the doctor that's doing it? They couldn't answer any of these questions. It was all based off of like, well, hey, some, someone called me and told me to do this. And that's terrifying, right? That even medical professionals like, oh, hey, your chain of command called and they said that you're getting, they, they want to put you in up there. Well, well, where's the stuff to support that? Someone that claims to be my member from the chain of command called you and said that, and you're acting upon this, right? Like that's terrifying that, that medical professionals, supposedly, we're going to do all this stuff just based on word of mouth, right? Where's all right, the... My experience is medicine is no longer professionals for the most part. There are some of us that, that are still professional, but like, I yeah. mean, that that is like prison gulag style treatment is what you received. And especially, you may, that's especially, not you that's yeah. me saying that. Well, yeah, I mean, especially given the reason that I was there was for making a criminal complaint, you know? Right. And, and that's what the reason it was specifically given to me by my chain of command. And so it's just like, right. you know, it's terrifying. But we got through it through the, like, the effort, the yeah. Herculean effort of many people. Uh, you know, to include, and like, uh, if people Dr. want to hear Lee, more of health. that story. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, Dr. Valid did a great yeah. podcast with you and your lawyer, who's who's an amazing man. And um, I've been praying for him every, every day. Um, long before this, because um, he has just pulled every which way and he's been an instrument of God in this. Uh, but please listen, and I'll put a link in the show notes below to listen to that, because that entire thing is a harrowing, you know, on the phone for seven hours with a doctor and a lawyer and having getting pulled over in the middle of the night with a screaming child in the back. And I mean, just heroic story. And, and your family is just as strong as they could possibly be. And uh, you are also someone that we want to lift up and that we want to look to as a symbol of courage because of what you've been through and what you continue to go through and 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 the courage and the bravery and and the peace that you have in your heart through all this. I appreciate that. I very much appreciate all that. I mean, the only the only way that I got through any of this is through uh, our, my faith in, in the Lord and Jesus, right? 
it's the only way. And and my my family, they've been extremely rock solid. My wife is a superstar, like and and just Herculean efforts like like individuals like yourself and you know, Dr. Fleet and uh, other like and like David, my lawyer. So yeah, made it through that night and then still continuing to this day to receive extremely fun what appears to be reprisal. Especially medically. Okay, so now let's yeah, so let's go back to the medical reprisal, which is, huh, I yeah. wonder how command is talking with the medical people, because there is connections. We won't get into them specifically, but I assure you there are connections. And um, to give you an idea, I, I spoke to someone that I know who's on, on post, and I'll, I'll leave it very generic on purpose, but I, I actually informed them of your situation and wanted to see if they'd be able to offer, to lend any assistance, to offer any help at all. And they said, oh, they're involved with so-and-so. I can't help you. Almost as if like it was a mob crime boss who was going to put out a hit on them. Yeah. So what, what that was what, the impression that I received? Yeah. So at the the headquarters here on post, I have friends that work there, right? And individuals that work in like some of the the higher the higher places there. Um, and so they're privy to conversations that not a lot of the people are privy to. Uh, and through that, like the, the standing instructions or because I made this criminal complaint, because I've been such a thorn in uh, a certain individual side here, uh, that I, they want me off the books before this individual's change of command, right? Um, as in like completely kicked out of the army before that, before the, the, um, that individual wow. change of command in July, right? So how is it that I'm going to be When you have to... pre-existing medical conditions. Correct. Yep. It, pre-existing medical conditions that like by the book should be referred to a med board and let the med board process completely play out. Um, but right. somehow uh, I have been found medically fit for uh, service, even with that in my brain, right? Even with an and actual showing us diagnosis. Those images. Yes. Yeah. Even with an actual diagnosis. By a neurologist. Yeah. A, a legitimate office neurologist that they referred me to with a, a tumefactic multiple sclerosis diagnosis, right? It, like, as soon as you get that diagnosis, it's supposed to be, hey, don't pass go, don't collect $200, just immediately refer. Like you said, right. there's a process. And, and you could be retained. You right. could be found fit for duty. Yep. But this process is is unstoppable at this point. Mm -hmm. Once you have the diagnosis, you're supposed to go back to your primary care doc. Your primary care doc goes, oh, man, this is awful. Yeah. I am so sorry for you. Exactly. And, and the, If you want to start or if you don't want to start the MEB, I'm going to start it either way. Correct. And, but the reason because that they the don't want to says. initiate it is because once an MEB is initiated, that process has to play all the way out. Now, if you have an administrative discharge pending, um, that gets put on hold. The MEB goes all the way through the entire process. And then at the end, once it's ready for you to like basically the point where you would have been cut orders uh, for a medical discharge, that goes up to whatever decision making authority is, is the, for your case. Uh, and then they can choose either the administrative discharge or they can choose the medical discharge. Now, 95, 99% of time, they choose the medical discharge, right? And we're talking about even people who've like, you know, beat their wives or had like serious stuff go on. They still let them like medically discharge from the army. Medically discharge. Right? And so like there is a very much a concerted effort because the command and those individuals uh, who are we've kind of been talking and alluding to have been made aware of my condition, and they've been made aware that hey, like yeah, if we if we start this process, we gotta let it play out, and that would take months and months and months. Well, that goes against what that that goes against that individual's vanity and what uh, the uh, kind of like stomp the stomp your foot like hey, like get him out, Tantrum. yeah, yeah, get him yeah. out of the get him out of here. Um, those instructions, so. Yeah, it's unfortunate, uh, and so really, it's just a it's a knife fight, uh, you know. Not not, not literally. Right? I'm not like, like too many <laughs> yeah, violence, yeah, no. but it's you know to describe yeah, yeah. the process. It's almost like it's a it's a fight every day to just try to get people to to read the regulations and do the right thing. And so here I am, like suffering through it, um, even to this day, uh, to try to get that med board initiated. Because if you don't get the med board initiated before a certain level of your administrative discharge happens, then you don't get an opportunity for the med med board. Don't even get it. It can't be right. considered. And that's what they're trying to do. Which is insane because, because you've, you've given time, you serve, I think you said 15 years. Yeah. 15 years. In infantry. So you were infantry Marine and then you became infantry army officer. That is a young man's sport. It's not kind yeah. to anybody. No. It's, I mean, I mean, I, yeah, just, just normal wear and tear, even without MS. Yeah. No. You, you're in pretty bad shape when you come out after, you know, 
They're like dog years, I think, army yards. Much more aged over those 15 years than a, than a civilian would be over those same 15 years. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it, yeah. And so, you know, if, it just when people serve, when they raise their right hand, they sort of the constitution and, you know, there, there are things that are in place to protect those soldiers or to protect those individuals. And there's things in place to compensate them for, uh, the damage that's been incurred on them over time. Right. That, that and I, I'll, literally the only thing that I'm looking for, the only thing I'm asking for is to be given the same protections and the same, uh, like, like benefits that everyone else is entitled to. And I guess that's asking too much in, in today's military. And part of this is social contract, right? You, you had mentioned that you signed an actual contract, but the social mm-hmm. contract of joining the military is I'm going to give my life potentially, right? And yeah. and give my, my time away from my family and future years because it's because I know and they know that it's hard on my body and I'm exposed to to different things, you know, whether it be um, high-speed lead poisoning or it's, uh, you know, getting shot uh, or if it's, you know, getting burned or if it's getting chemicals or even having to uh, be coerced into taking injections that that maybe aren't legal to, to give. Um, but with all of that, the, the contract is, I'm going to give you this and you're going to give me something in return. I'm not just giving you my life. You're going to give me, you know, money so that I can take care of my family. You're going to take care of my family with their health care. You're going to continue to take care of my health care. And if I stay in long enough or get hurt in the process of this, you're going to continue to take care of me years into the future. And they're trying to break that social contract, which will utterly destroy all of the trust. I mean, it's mostly already gone, most of all the trust, um, but this is even more so, especially military and medicine trust. But here it seems as if... And, and I say that even knowing better, uh, but it seems as if this is them working together to, and when I say knowing better, there, there's evidence, uh, but it's just, it seems as if there is, giving some benefit of the doubt here, that they're working together and working together to fully destroy any trust that could be left. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, it's just, it's shameful, right? You know, like you can't look at those spots in my brain and say that that doesn't exist, that they're not there. But lo and behold, an individual the other day told me, hey, like, oh, well, an individual that's not actually involved in my like, my care uh, who just, you know, felt the need to go and do all of these like special things to try to get, you know, specific answers from uh, all these different uh, supposed experts on post uh, that basically calling into question and saying that they don't believe that I, I have the, the diagnosis that I have or that I'm having the issues that I'm having. Um, so I don't know how, uh, we can suddenly come to the conclusion that, oh, Hey, we're not going to believe an off post specialist, like an actual doctor, like not, you know, military doctor, but you know, that's where we're at. That's really, that's where we're at. And it's, that individual is, is friends with the, uh, individual that did the old foot stomp. I would him off the books. Um, and, right. and, you know, and the whole process is, is to determine, it's almost as if that individual who said, no, you don't need a med board is he's done his own med board process in his mind not a legitimate in paper following the, the, the process. Correct. He did in his mind said, oh, well, you don't really fit the reason on that army regulation 40-501 chapter 30-31. You don't really fit in that. Uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to say you don't. And, and then therefore you don't, even though the reality is you do. Exactly. And, and we're going to take benefits away from you. Yeah. We're going to break that social, social contract and, and you're going to have to live with that. Exactly. And because, and they, they, they've done that, they've circled, like basically stopped the process at the beginning because they know, like as soon as the, you know, they did their own little mini uh, med board process in their head. Uh, and, and, and somehow in a day's time, right. They, they were able to call when I went to patient advocacy and I was like, Hey, like, this isn't right. What's going on here. They were able to make all of these uh, phone calls. They were able to make all of these determinations and speak with all these specialists within a day and basically say, oh, no, he doesn't have multiple sclerosis. We disagree with that. Um, so it's like, how is it that you're able to, I'm not under your care. How is it that you're able to make this determination? And why is it, why are you the person that's making this, right? Why, who, who gave you the authority to say, nope, you can't initiate the med board on this guy, right? When the, when the, it's so all asking for the regulation to, to, be, to yeah. be followed. Right. One thing I would encourage you to do is, and this is gonna, this is gonna be fun for some people. 
is I'm going to encourage you to find out what state um, these doctors that you believe have uh, functioned uh, unethically, find out what state they are and put a complaint against their license. And also um, go to HHS and I'll send you the link. And what I want you to do is anybody that is a part of your care that does not have a patient-physician relationship, so if that's any commander, if that's any any doctor that you haven't seen in clinic, you know, like like talking on the phone, that's that's not a patient encounter because you don't have an established relationship. He's not your physician. Um, put a complaint against them at HHS for HIPAA, HIPAA violation. And when people start getting lots of HIPAA violations, and, and that same process also, I want to make it very clear, that same process also is what you do for anybody that, let's say you applied for a, a medical exemption, as I did, and my medical exemption was denied by some colonel in, in Texas. I don't have an established patient relationship, so I put a HIPAA complaint against that colonel. I also put a complaint against their license. Unfortunately, that's his state's licensure didn't care. Um, and then there was a general who's a physician also who who denied my medical exemption. And I encourage everyone that if you've had a medical exemption that's been died by two people, right? Because it's usually the lower level that recommends to the to the general. Go ahead and put a complaint against that general's license because they're a physician and they're held to a higher standard and put an HHS um, HIPAA complaint against that physician also because they have no business being in your medical record uh, unless they're your physician and you have a relationship, an established patient-physician relationship. There's this idea that soldiers lose all their HIPAA rights. Absolutely, completely, and utterly wrong. The thing that a commander and only commander, not his sergeant, not his XO, and, and those people can be designated for very specific time frames, um, for very specific instances. But the commander can talk to your doctor, no other doctor, and ask, does this soldier or service member have any medical conditions that would affect the mission? That's not letting you go through and, and look through your chart and just look at everything. That's not showing images. That's, that's yes, they have a condition. I can't tell you what condition because that would be a HIPAA violation, but they have a condition that would affect the mission in these ways. Again, the commander does not know what the condition is, does not know um, anything else in the medical chart, doesn't know things from years ago, doesn't know any of that because that would be a HIPAA violation. And so if you feel that you're a victim of a HIPAA violation, please go to the HHS website. And I'm, I'm hoping to, to get a video out soon that will hopefully be able to walk you through screenshot by screenshot on how to place those HIPAA violation complaints with HHS. Because we have to use the law to our benefit. And, and it's not bending the law or changing the law, but we are bound by the law because we're, we're normal people and we also uh, want to do the right thing morally and legally. And the moral and right thing to do is to hold them accountable by placing these complaints, which are significant complaints, like a HIPAA violation can be ten dollars to $20,000 violation. No, that's that's amazing. I'll uh, I, I didn't really know a lot of those portions. I will take all that to heart. And I mean, it's very good because I record most all the conversations that I have, especially with like chain of command or or physicians. Uh, in the instance, because of everything that's gone on and how uh, investigations have been manipulated to uh, present things that are not truthful. Um, and so, like, I'll I'll absolutely. You know, I've got a list of individuals that uh, that that supposedly were involved in my care that I've never seen before, but were able to make medical decisions on my behalf. So, uh, yeah, that's interesting. I will definitely look into the look into that. Thank you for, for thank you for that. You're welcome. And again, I'm gonna try and get that video out sometime soon. It's just it's is no excuse, but it's tough any time um, because at work I'm not doing much, but I can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so Seth, is there anything that you want to leave us with before you have to leave? Uh, probably like maybe a little a message of hope, right? Um, so like yeah, even yeah. through like for people who are struggling, for people who are going through similar issues, because I'm not the only individual who's kind of who has been affected by the weaponization of behavioral health against them, or like of weaponization like medicine, right? Well, you're not receiving the standard of care that you're supposed to be afforded as a as a service member. Um, or maybe your command's doing silly stuff against you. Uh, you you're going to make it through it. You, you are. You, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, we're all going to make it through this, right? But part of making it through it 
is you knowing what your rights are. It's you knowing what the regulations are. And it's you being able to articulate that to, to individuals who call that into question or who may be doing the wrong thing. So educate yourself. Um, and we're all going to get through this. We are. We're going to get through it. There's a lot of the end of the tunnel. Um, and, you know, if an organization says that they don't want you know, corrupt individuals in an organization say they don't want you to serve anymore or that they seem you're, that you're not fit, I would take that as a compliment, right? Because if someone who's corrupt and doing the wrong thing and not able to follow the law that's very clearly written or the rules that are clearly, clearly written says that they don't want you in, in their gun club, well, then maybe I, maybe that's a compliment. You know, maybe because you have too, too, too high morals or standards or values or beliefs, that's good, good on you, right? So, but you can take your oath, you can take your patriotism, you can take your service, and there are other ways to, to utilize that outside of the military by making your local communities better. And it's local action that's going to make the, a big difference, folks. And so, like, you're going to be okay. You're going to be able to get a job, right? Don't listen to what that, like, you know, 22-year E7 says who is, like, overweight you say, oh, you're going to get dishonorable. You're not going to be able to get hired anywhere with this kind of discharge. Like, absolutely not. You're you're going to be fine. And you just got to trust me on that. Everything's going to be okay. And even if there's like, let's say, 30,000, 100,000 dishonorable discharges, people that you would want to work for understand what that means at this point in the, in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The amount of people who uh, are looking for like like-minded individuals who are, are willing to have like a backbone and who have are willing to to tell the truth and do the right thing. There is a high demand for that, a high demand for that, and they're they don't give two two like craps for what the uh, what your what some DD two fourteen says. They don't even know what a DD two fourteen is. Right. Yeah. They they want moral individuals with the courage to to use the spine that the good Lord gave them. Absolutely. And you know, there's one thing that I've heard often, I mentioned in a previous one that I'll be posting soon, that people say, oh, God won't give you more than you can handle. And I don't believe that's that's accurate. I think God gives you a little bit more than you can right. handle so that he can give you that strength so that you know he gave you that strength and so that you can become stronger. If you go to the gym and you only pick up what you can pick up, then you never pick up heavier and you never gain muscle. So when you're in the gym of life, Remember, it's God's there with you. He's your spotter. Jesus is right there with you. He's cheering in your, in your ear. And, and take your, your refuge in, in that, that, right. that God is with you. And, and look to those around you. And I, and I love the look local, right? Because soon there may be a tough time. There may, it may be a tough time to get food. If you know local farmers, ranchers, it won't be as tough for you to get food. Absolutely. Building like local communities of trust, that's huge. All right. Thank you, Seth. I truly appreciate you coming on. And I know this was, um, I asked you just yesterday and you're like, yeah, I'm there. You're kind of Johnny on the spot with it. I truly appreciate it. And I'll be praying for you and your family, as I'm sure many of our listeners and viewers will also be. Absolutely. Hey, thank you, Sam. I really appreciate you having me on. Let me tell a portion of the story that I'm allowed to tell. Right. You're right. And there's, well, thank you. Um, you, like I, am under a gag order. There's many things that we cannot talk. Uh, mine is only during the duty day. Uh, unfortunately, yours is, extends outside of that. Um, be nice to have those protections yeah. uh, by those that, and that which you cannot talk about. Uh, but again, I appreciate everything you're doing. You're, um, you will be able to tell your grandkids and your great grandkids will be able to talk about you and your service to God and how when you, you were called, you moved where God told you to move. Yep. Often exactly. we're, we wonder, oh, you know, I wonder if in the Nazis days, if I would have been a guard or if I would have been someone resisting. And I'm sure everyone's seen that picture of that, that one guy in the middle of everyone throwing the, the salute. And there's that one guy in the center who's just standing there. Be that guy. Be the guy that doesn't go off the cliff with everyone else. Yeah, everybody wants to think like, oh, what would I do? If, and you know, totalitarianism takes over when this, that, or that. Well, hey, you're living it's here. It. It's here. You're living it. Whatever you're it's doing right now, now is exactly what you would do. So think about that. Right. Are you going to be the guy, you know, scooping the ashes out of the out of the the oven, or are you going to be the guy shoveling people into shoving people into the cattle cars, or are you going to be the the people trying to follow the law and the regulation and do what's right? 
Exactly. And that's how we make courage more contagious than fear. Exactly. Just a reminder for everyone out there, duty uniform of the day, the full armor of God. Let's all make courage more contagious than fear. <laughs> <laughs>